Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports. I am Dan Patrick, he is Dan Patrick, and I am a liar. That's right, I am Nick Eber, not Dan Patrick, and he is Kartik Krishnaya. Uh, neither of us are who we say we are, but great, thank you for joining us. We have a great show for you today, because we're going to wrap up the weekend. The weekend in the Premier League, the delightful, magnificent, greatest show on earth has uh, completed its fourth week and then abruptly we'll slam on the brakes we're going to talk about that but in the meantime Kartik we are going to talk about some really exciting matches this weekend and if I may Kartik if I may for a moment just reiterate what an incredible predictor of Premier League matches I am the two picks I gave you bang on the money scoreline and all Kartik yeah, I don't know why you don't play that NBC Sports Predictor game that they're constantly hawking out in their studio because clearly you'd win it every week like Miss Cleo would. Uh, call me now for your free reading. Yep, that's me. That was a pretty bad Miss Cleo, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. So, uh, All right. But yeah, you got the picks right again, and, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, lot of interesting things happening uh, throughout European football. Uh, in the early weeks of the season. Unfortunately, Nick, we will not see another match of European club football for another 10 days. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? But over the weekend, some absolutely delightful results. If you like upsets, if you like drama, if you like the unexpected uh, Arsenal-Spurs draw in the derby. I mean, that wasn't unexpected. That is a result I gave you. Man United, though, going to St. Mary's and get only getting a draw. Bit of a surprise there. Sheffield forcing Chelsea to a draw. Look, we're going to talk about all of this. And, of course, Newcastle-Watford. Let's talk about Javi Garcia and the pressure on him. Plus... The transfer window closes throughout the rest of Europe. A certain Neymar is going to remain at Paris Saint-Germain. That experiment, a massive failure. Uh, let's talk about that. And loads, loads more. 800-878-7529. By the way, I'd like to welcome all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Radio Network. I would also like to welcome Kerry. I know she's listening somewhere here in Las Vegas to the show. And uh, if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, iHeartRadio, tune in, the award-winning SiriusXM app. Well, we welcome you as well. All right, we're going to step aside, take a break, and we'll be right back with more after this. Don't go anywhere. The cards can reveal things that you will never see by yourself. <clears throat> All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nikki Bracotic, Krish and I with you. Uh, great to be with you, by the way, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You know, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you just keep walking? Well, I know what I would do. Kartik, would you pick it up? Uh, probably not. What? You wouldn't pick up $100 on the street if you just I saw it there? I feel guilty about oh, it. Oh, nonsense. I mean, of, it, it, of course you'd take the money, Kartik. So tell me, why do you keep pinning, picking winners, though, Kartik, like you and I do? And not betting on them, because I didn't bet on my winners this weekend. Well, you know, yeah. I'm going to change it up, Kartik. I'm going to go to my bookie. 
Com. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, when you're betting, it's just as important as who you're betting with than who you're betting on. So look, I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. And um, if you're going to bet this football season, this Premier League season, uh, you definitely want to bet with my bookie. Join now and they will double your first deposit. Use promo code 5STREET, that's 5 S T R. E-E-T, to activate the offer. That's promo code 5STREET. Visit mybookie.ag today and get right into it. Kartik, you know, we were talking about my picks, and of course I did not bet them at mybookie because I'm my moron for not doing that. But uh, I gave out some picks on the Picks and Parlays radio show, which you can hear on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And they said, can you give us two picks for the Premier League? And I said, I can indeed. And I searched high and low for some value, and I came up with two matches, Kartik. Two matches that you and I spoke about, a bit ad nauseum. Arsenal Spurs, the North London derby at the Emirates. Arsenal were the favorites. I think at like plus, I want to say they were plus 130. And I think Spurs were plus 160. The draw was plus mm. like 272, thereabouts. Yeah. I definitely took the 2-2 draw because, I mean, that match, Kartik, to me, was 2-2. The other one, of course, was... Uh, Newcastle Watford at St James's Park. Newcastle were the favourites in that match. I said a one-one draw, and that was plus two twenty-four. So, uh, unsurprisingly, because I am Mister Cleo, Arsenal Spurs was two-two. Uh, Newcastle Watford was one-one. So there you go. Everybody else made money but me because I didn't actually bet it. So I guess I win Fool of the Year award. <laughs> uh, far from it. Far from being a fool. Uh, you nailed those picks. So that's. Once again, uh, an indication that we maybe we're, we're we're watching this league a little too closely, or we have uh, something special going on here in terms of prognostications. You mean maybe we actually need a life outside of this? Uh, I guess. Nah, yeah. Who needs that? All right, let's. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start. Goodison Park. Wolverhampton. Football is life. They say that. Football is life. Uh, it's what's that? Football is a life. Uh, f- football, life and death. It's more important than that, right? That's the Bill Shankly quote. Yeah. Right? Um, all right, Wolves visiting Goodison Park at Everton. This was really kind of almost really a must-win match for Everton too, wasn't it, Kartik? I mean, they really had to get it done because clearly they're seeing a lot of weakness in the table above them, and I think Everton aspire to be more, maybe more than just the best of the rest. They had come off that loss, uh, awful loss, by the way, at Villa Park, 2-0 away, uh, but they did redeem themselves at home beating uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers by three goals to two in a game actually that I thought was a pretty good game for the weekend, to be fair. Yeah, I thought it was a good deal, a good game. The issue now is is, is Wolves. Europe is taking a chunk out of them. You saw uh, some uh, high-profile players like Matt Doherty, Johnny Otto, etc., not start this match for Wolves. And uh, Nuno Nuno Espirito Santo, who does not have – a particularly uh, deep side having to rotate because of uh, Europe. And th- now they qualified for the group stage by, by outlasting Torino, which was yeah. a, a good accomplishment. That was a, uh, a very tough draw uh, in the last uh, playing round. But I tell you what, it's really now putting them in a position where um, they are going to be stretched in the league. Their next match uh, is uh, I at it, home, but against, it's against Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be yeah, a so cracker. I, I, I feel like they're going to need to get three points in that match. But then again, Chelsea needs the points also. Yeah, Chelsea that, does as well, Kartik, because they, they just had right. a draw. This is going to possibly be the match of the weekend, by the way. 
Correct. Yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a pretty desperate match for both teams. Uh, it's hard to say that in your in, in the fifth fixture, but you just don't want to be um, chasing points uh, later in the year. I mean, the one team that always seemed to get away with that was uh, David Moyes' Everton. They would start poorly, and then come uh, come Christmas time, they'd always go on a run. But I'm not sure Wolves want to be in that position. I'm not sure Frank Lampard in his first go around as Premier League manager wants to be in that position. Now, as far as Everton's concerned, it was good to see Alex Iwobi, uh big money signing from Arsenal, come through with, with, with a goal and, uh, and also looked very dangerous. And you saw the kind of resources Everton has, being able to bring Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Bernard off the bench late uh, to try and chase a winner, and they got that winner. So uh, Marco Silva getting it together. Uh, they do have uh, uh, seven points, I believe. So they're... they're uh, they're looking okay in spite of that loss to Villa. Uh, well, it was uh, it was uh, true. Uh, it's funny. Sorry, I got sidetracked while you were talking, Kartik. Not because what you're saying is unbelievably important, but I was looking at the top four, uh, the top four, and saying, "Well, we have some pretty interesting top four clashes coming up uh, because we have both Tottenham and Man United playing. Of course, neither of them are in the top four. They are actually playing top four teams, though. They're playing Leicester City and Crystal Palace." <laughs> Yeah, the Crystal Palace thing, I mean, give it up to Roy Hodgson. I mean, he's just doing, once again, a phenomenal job, which he's done throughout his career, both on the continent and in England, the exception being that that stint at Liverpool. Wrong time, wrong club for him, right in the midst of Hicks and Gillette losing control of the club. So I I, I, I cut him some slack for that, obviously. I think what we're seeing, though, is uh, in terms of Leicester, their ability with that young team really to – to make things work, and 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 that's um, that's a credit to Brendan Rodgers. They are yes, going to is. have some bumps because as uh, yeah, as we well, say, they you, have a young team. So I'll tell you what, Carl, oh, let, yeah. let's stay in order though because um, we, we we do tend to sort of fly all over the place. Uh, let let's go to the Emirates because uh, Arsenal Spurs was the next game. Um, you know, there was never a point in that match, Kartik, where I was not convinced it was going to end two two. I mean, uh, that's how. Sure, I was before the match. It was going to be two-two, and as I watched the match unfold, I I, I just knew it was going to end two-two. I mean, you know, it's just derbies have a flavor to them that are unlike any other match out there. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'll have to admit, you know, this is uh, obviously I'm in Florida, and we just had a a storm blow through here. So basically, what happened was it's two-nil uh, Spurs. I'm preparing for the storm. So I run out, uh, uh, get last-minute supplies, some batteries, come back. I see the first goal. Then I, I, I missed a penalty by Kane. I'm back at home. See uh, uh, Pepe's great ball. That was great to see Nicola Pepe yeah. uh, come through uh, after, what was it, $80 million they spent on him. 2-1. Second half, the first rain band, the first outer band, the very first band uh, from the storm comes through. My satellite goes out for five minutes, and in that five minutes, Arsenal gets the equalizer. Uh, lo, lo and behold, so I, I, I that you knew that was going to happen. TV comes back fine; everything's fine after that. We don't get more wind and rain really for until uh, the next morning or later that night. Um, it was just the first outer feeder band. If you're familiar with hurricanes, you know the, the very right. first thing, and then it's nice and sunny after, um, and and calm. So I missed it, but. 
it just felt like Spurs, once that second goal went in, and like I said, I, I had lost my satellite uh, when that happened. With the exception of a couple counterattacking opportunities, it was a nice move that, that Sissoko put together. Um, strong, holding off the ball, beating a couple defenders, but obviously not a natural goal scorer at all. With that exception, I, I just felt like it was either going to be a draw or Arsenal were going to get a winner. There is something... Now, this match was at the Emirates, so on paper, it's it's a good result for Spurs, and they've uh, now um, only lost twice in their last 11 league meetings with, with Arsenal. But there was just something wrong there. We, I know we talked about it on Friday, yeah. but there is something wrong there. Because it's just like there wasn't the fight in that team at the end of the match once Arsenal that, yeah, well, I want to get back to this. We have to go to break here in 30 seconds. I, I, I want to pick that up on the other side. You know, It's not like the situation at Man United where actually I think the opposite – Okay, uh, there is something fishy going on at Spurs. Uh, Kartik, why don't you and I do yeah. a little fishing after the break on Fifth Street Soccer? <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Whiskey in the jar for this segment. I tell you what, somebody that uh, probably has whiskey in his Gatorade bottle, uh, I think, uh, is Mauricio Pochettino, because that is one yeah. unhappy-looking ma- manager, Kartik. Um, you know, Spurs are really struggling, and the thing is, the thing it, that would really upset me as a Tottenham supporter is it's all mental. It's all the things that you thought were handled last season with that incredible run to the Champions League final, with the opening of the new stadium. Now, look, Kartik, I I said this to you on Friday, I think. We we did the show on Friday, right? Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, think about it for a minute. They are unlikely to get back to the Champions League final anytime in the near future. I mean, let's let, let's be right. honest here, okay? It was it was a, a bit of the sort of perfect storm that came together for them in the Champions League. They are exceptionally unlikely to win the Premier League anytime in the near future. Right. So, for these players that had so much emotion, so much expectation uh, and professional completion maybe is the best way to put it wrapped up in what happened last season anything that happens afterwards is like Sisyphus having to push that big rock back up the hill again and you know I think you're seeing the mental fragility of this team with the exception of Son who has been playing as you know every time he's on the pitch he plays his socks off right um, yeah, yeah. This He's team, I mean, Ericsson wants out. Uh, you had uh, Kieran Trippier went to uh, Atleti, didn't he? Uh, you know, you yep. had uh, you had a bunch of players. Danny Rose were, wants out. Dan- Danny Rose yeah, wants out. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Right. I- I- exactly. You got a manager that that said, "Well, if I'd won the Champions League, I I, I would I would have quit." And yeah, I, I think you're seeing 
an Arsenal situation unfold now where you know all the weight of expectation was put on the new stadium and this incredible run we were going to move to the new stadium with the Champions League trophy and you know top four finish and uh, but at the end of the day they had a major peter out at the end of the season we talked about the 13 game uh 13 games at the end of the season where they won only one game right Kartik and that has made right. its way over to this season where they have won only one game and that I might add was a 3-1 victory at home against Aston Villa uh, in the meantime uh you know this team has <clears throat> excuse me tied to City which was a great result but then lost at home to Newcastle and uh, the North London derby was, you know, a draw. Although I think in some respects, as you pointed out, Kartik, uh, a decent result for Spurs because it was at the Emirates. But, you know, I, I just, I, the body language on this team, it's not the draw because that would be a good result. It's the fact they gave up a 2 nil uh, margin against a team like Arsenal that just isn't very good. Yeah. Um, I, I it's, it's not that Arsenal isn't very good. Arsenal's front three are as good as any front three in the in the league, with the exception of Liverpool's. Probably have the second best attack in the league. Yeah. Uh, defensively, they're not very good. And they had a 2-0 lead. And this is this goes back to the whole notion of Spurs doing things that are Spursy. Spurs bottling it when something is on the line. Spurs uh, continuing the kind of uh, tragic history of the club in terms of uh, uh, it's it's uh, competitiveness with uh, uh, with w- with its North London, North London rivals in in Arsenal and its other great rival in Chelsea. In fact, I was told this recently by a Chelsea supporter when I asked, "Well, you know, you're selling David Luiz to Arsenal, isn't that ridiculous?" And obviously, Giroud came went the other way. Uh, why, why do you guys do all this transfer of a check? Uh, go see Ben Ayun a few years earlier. Why do you guys do all this transfer business together when you're such big rivals? He he flat out looked at me, and this is a, this is a Brit. Uh, true Chelsea man said we both hate Spurs more. Yeah, that is actually true. And that's you know, yeah, and, yeah. and there's something about Spurs that incites that hatred in both Chelsea and Arsenal supporters. Where both sets of supporters will say, "Yeah, you know, we hate Chelsea because we've been rivals, we've been fighting for the same thing, and vice versa." But we both hate Spurs more. There's something, and and, and I, I don't know. And and now there's just something very. Uh, much in in the view for a lot of these players that I think they cannot achieve the the pinnacle of the sport from their perspective. Well, right, I think that that's right. Are you right? And so I, I think yeah, now I mean, Spurs isn't isn't the destination. Now Spurs becomes correct. a jumping off point, and and you know, I just think there's big trouble. I don't think Pochettino's going to last because I think there's a real mental cancer that has sent into that team. Uh, and it's not, uh, and we're not going to see it anytime soon. Look, what did I say? I said last season this team ended with what thirteen games, right? W- w- wasn't that it? Thirteen games. They they won one. Yeah. End of last season, and they've won one, the first four games of this season. So in and 17- quite frankly, the Champions League was magical. But it's a knockout competition. This is what we've seen with Real Madrid the last few years, where they win the Champions League, but they finish third in La Liga because, uh, you know, in the in the league week in week out, you need to get results. Champions League. What happened is Spurs did not really, they did not actually win on aggregate either against Man City or against Ajax. They won on away goals both times. Yeah. And the Ajax tie, they were badly outplayed. And against Manchester City, it was pretty even. But against Ajax, they were badly outplayed, and they, they got through that, basically because they played a very young team that was naive uh, and kept attacking when they had uh, 
several goal lead. I mean, that's why we loved watching Ajax last season, but there was a, a naivety to, to how they, they performed with, with their 20 and 21 year old starlets. So right. Spurs were very fortunate uh, to get to that Champions League final. And then within a minute against Liverpool, they go to pieces. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think this, this I think they, these guys, this set of players, Nick, they have reached the end of the line of their professional abilities to lift Spurs from being kind of a middling club that's behind their two London rivals I mentioned and behind the three great teams up north um, into this, this conversation. They made the top four four straight years, which is remarkable considering the budget of the club. And, um, and, and the level of spending compared to the other clubs. Pochettino is a gem. Uh, now I think it's best for him as one of the top managers in, in England, uh, top managers in Europe, maybe to move on. Yeah. And same thing for those players that um, are professionally ambitious. I think Son uh, would fit in nicely on a Bayern Munich uh, team like that. He played at Bayer Leverkusen before. I think Ericsson wants to go to Real Madrid. And uh, if I were Real Madrid, I would go out and get him. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on Ericsson. I mean, I, he can be wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure that. Uh, I'm not sure he's. Quite, he may not be a mid level player. That's, yeah, that's yeah. I'm not sure if he's a if he's an A or an A minus level player. You know, it's difficult. It's yeah. difficult to put your finger on it. But look, I want to talk about another team that's also in in trouble, so to speak. And 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 I use that word lightly. I want to talk Man United. He went to St Mary's and got a, a draw, one one draw. Which, which I know was was a really really disappointing result for United fans, and they're currently five five points there, you know, eighth in the table, and you know they've had one win, which was the opening day where they absolutely uh, tonked Chelsea four 0 at home, but it's been really awful results since, since then. They have a very difficult fixture coming up uh, in ten days or so at home against Leicester City. Uh, we're going to talk about them in a minute, but you know I'm going to say this to United fans: uh, the situation at United is so different for me than say the situation at Tottenham. United are on the... It may get better before it gets worse at United. It may get worse before it gets better, I think is what I meant to say. It may get worse before it gets better at United. But, you know, they're getting rid of a bunch of deadweight players that have been draining the budget and not performing on the field. Uh, They are giving some of their young players a, a chance. They are... Uh, trying a new system. They have a new manager that seems to get on very well with the players and control the, the locker room and have a system. And yeah, I, it's going to be... A, we, we talked about this, Kartik. It's going to be a very inconsistent season for United. I doubt they're going to make top four, but it shouldn't matter. I think this team, two or three seasons from now, will be fine. Uh, we'll be contending again in the top four. Uh, it's just going to take time. Yeah, I, I think they're fine. I mean, I, I, the expectations maybe were, were a little high for um, for some of uh, uh, the United fans this year who thought signing um, two defenders and, and Daniel James, who has three goals by the way, and scored yeah, another and looking great one. by the way, looking 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 yeah the yeah yeah I'm just looking really, every bit really nice player yeah uh, but that that this would be, that this would uh, um, you know turn their fortunes around completely. I think it's a process. I, I do not feel. Uh, about United the way I do about Spurs. 
I think United, it's a process. They, they're probably not going to be in the top four this year, but they might be because, look, we're, we're talking about Spurs having question marks. We know Chelsea's got a very young team in a transfer ban. We're not sure about Arsenal yet, although I, I tend to think Arsenal's going to be in that top four. I don't know, um, but is it the I, time of a Leicester City? Can Brendan Rodgers stick it together? Well, it but there's a fourth spot open is what I'm saying. So yeah, could yeah. be Leicester City. I think, look, quite frankly, even though they have not looked good to this point, um, We've, we're only four matches of the season, so we can't make judgments. Quite frankly, Everton has the type of squad, player for player, if they can get it together, that could be there. Um, and maybe they began to get it together on Sunday. We talked about that a little bit. But I, I think United is not – I think there's a feel-good factor about United and, and a togetherness that I, I just don't see on Spurs. Well, I, Spurs, I keep, yeah. they've hit the end, end of the road with this team. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I keep threatening to get Phil 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 Brown on here. We're going to do that because I, I really would love to get his take on it. But, but I think I think United fans, I I know they're very upset, and I you know read a lot of the all of a sudden the Ole out movement. And I mean, give it a break, all right? You know, give it a break. I hate United. I cannot stand your team. But I'm just telling you, give it a break. Give this guy a chance. You know, he hasn't been playing with a full deck and let them right. get their crap together and then judge him on that. But but don't judge him on having to, uh, you know, deal with the special ed class that was given him from the previous teacher. All right. Uh, we're going to have to go to break. <laughs> this week's soccer, Nick and Kartik with you here on Sirius XM 211 and the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. When we come back, we'll pick up the discussion on the other side and we will pretend that the Premier League is not breaking for the international break. We will just pretend that's not happening. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Nick and Kartik uh, with you here on uh, Fifth Street Soccer. And we should probably uh, get rid of the music at some point so we can have a show. Uh, Kartik, we're talking about the Premier League. We're talking about last weekend's matches. And uh, we have talked about some of the really big talking points, notably uh, Tottenham and the problems there, a little bit of the problems at Man United. Um, you know, I feel a bit of the same way about Chelsea because they hosted uh, newly promoted Sheffield United. Uh, I'm sorry, Chelsea didn't. Christian Pulisic did. Hosted Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I was watching. Uh, it was Christian Pulisic I, and friends against, che against well, Sheffield. I, actually, let me mention this, Nick, while I have a moment. Um, NBC on the icon, which you get on Comcast or DirecTV or whoever your you know Xfinity, uh, uh, Fire, whoever your provider is, they used to have an uh, you know an icon for the show for, for Premier League uh, right. mornings, which had a picture of Rebecca Lowe at a desk, you know, very professional, you know, she's the host thing. They have replaced it with a picture of Christian Pulisic with his fist clenched in a Chelsea kit as the official icon. For this NBC program, yeah, it's pretty late. and it just popped up on my program guide this weekend. I was, you know, I'm I'm busy here. I was actually on the phone with a uh, with a friend of mine talking about the storm about Dorian, but he's a Chelsea fan, and I mentioned it to him, and he's like, "Oh, good God, that's all NBC talks about." It's like on NBC, you can't even hear, you don't even hear Mason Mount or Tammy Abraham's names mentioned, right? Well, those are really the uh, two truly exciting players right now on yeah, Chelsea. Correct. And, that's why and, I mentioned those two. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, young, young, dynamic players getting it done. And by the way, I don't think Pulisic is having a bad season so far. Uh, he's fine. No, he's I mean, it's just, you know, he's just not Maradona yet. 
I noticed I said, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, they're, they're selling him as Maradona, a combination of Maradona, Messi, and, and Ronaldo, which yeah. he's not. In fact, he's quite a good player. Um, he's playing better for Chelsea this season than he did for Dortmund last season. Uh, again, you know, his position with Dortmund was a little unsettled because of, uh, you know, transfer rumors and also the fact they have a guy named uh, Jaden Sancho. You may have heard of him. Yes. Pretty good. Who will um, be playing against uh, Kosovo and... Yeah, yeah, Bulgaria. Exactly. <laughs> he's going to get some Gaudi. Ga, 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 uh, all those England players probably going to get Gaudi goal calls this week. But I, I don't want to talk about the internationals. Uh, I think Pulisic has been pretty good, actually. But I think they're doing him a disservice because the expectation for him is so great now that when he has pretty good games, like he had against Sheffield United, like he did yeah. uh, against uh, uh, Norwich the, the, the previous uh, uh, weekend when he, he had a beautiful assist, uh, it's still not meeting the level of expectation they have yeah. set for him. You, you know, Carty, it, it, uh, on that network, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, football ha- football fans have a, have a real. I suppose it's a trait that all sports fans have, you know, around the world, which is they always look at the teams at the, uh, the top of the heap and they say, "Ooh, I want that." You know, why is my yeah. team not that? And and you know, this is where we are today. By next Saturday, I want to be that. And, right. you know, it, it doesn't work that way. You and I have discussed it. We talked about this going back to last summer during the World Cup. You know, football is made up of cycles. There was a cycle when Liverpool won every first division title there was to be had, seemingly, and all the European yep. titles. And then there was a time when, uh, you know, uh, Manchester United won every single title on the planet. Uh, listen, Nottingham Forest won the European Cup. Uh, you know, Red Star Belgrade won the European Cup. I mean, we, you know, things change. Life changes. You know, crap happens, okay? And, um, you know, teams go through cycles, and one cycle ends and another starts. And you, you can't look at a team like Liverpool or a Man City and say, you know, I want that. That needs to be me tomorrow because, quite frankly, Liverpool are at the <clears throat> now at the – Benef- beneficial end of an awful cycle, to be fair. Uh, you know, a cycle that saw mid-table mediocrity and no chance really to win a title other than maybe one crazy season under Brendan Rodgers where, you know, a small slip uh, maybe was the difference between winning the title or not. I mean, but, you know, now it's a different matter. But, you know, it's patience, it's building, it's good management. I, I don't think, for example, um, look, Chelsea under Roman Abramovich... Uh, Man United under the Glazers, uh, imperfect owners, we'll all agree. And and you could argue that neither of them have football people at, at the helm. But but I think you could argue for the long term, both these clubs have a very healthy prognosis because they have ownership that's willing to fund them and put money in. Uh, you, know, you can't say that about Spurs and Daniel Levy because he seems to only be willing to put money in if this new stadium makes it for him. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe, I think uh, – uh, Daniel Levy, I, I think I said this on the show last week, he's involved in, in some real estate, some deals here in, in the state of Florida. He actually has a home in Fort Lauderdale, not far from mine. Um, sure, he was checking up on it during the storm. But um, I, I think that there's an extreme bias against, uh, with, with the exception of Mike Ashley, who actually was a Spurs fan, um, and, um, and, and and that's part of the reason he's been resented at Newcastle. Uh, there is an extreme foreign owners so a guy like Daniel Levy um, if he were Roman Abramovich if he were Russian 
Can you imagine the amount of criticism he'd be getting? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or Malcolm Glazer. Or, or, sorry, Joel Glazer now. Malcolm Glazer has passed away. So I, I think that he gets away with some of it, and, and you, you hear about how prudent an owner is, and he doesn't want to overspend. Uh, first of all, it's, a, it's a ge- another gentleman named Joe Lewis, uh, his partner's money, yeah. actually. Joe Lewis, and they're involved in all kinds of business. These real estate deals I'm talking about in Florida involve Joe Lewis as well. But um, there is a um, – there is, I think, an absolute reluctance by Daniel Levy to um, not only transfer funding, but it's also the wage bill at Spurs. They are unwilling to pay in wages um, what Arsenal and Chelsea will. Let's just take a, take a look at two and, other and, London and clubs. Kartik, it, it's a shame because Spurs have something going for them that very few other clubs do. Uh, at the top level of the Premier League, which is that they're in London, and they have a beautiful yeah. stadium, a brand new stadium, um, they would right. be the sort of club that would attract some really top quality talent on a loan basis if they would pay the ridiculous wages that they want. Uh, but they're not going to do that. They would attract really top quality talent, but they just are not going to pay them. Period. They'll buy them, There's... but they won't pay for them on an ongoing basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, transfer fees are only half the story. They are willing to pay whatever in transfer fees. We see, saw them go out and, and do some of that this year. Odombele is a, a great example. Um, but they will, they will keep their wage st- uh, bill really in check. And part of the theory, and this is not coming from Mauricio Pochettino. This is coming from Daniel Levy. This is coming from above. He clashed with Harry Redknapp about it. Yeah. He clashed with AVB about it. It was... Uh, uh, who, who didn't last very long at the club. Well, whatever happened um, to AVB? AVB is now, uh, uh, did I see he was like auto racing or something? Um, doing something really kind of, you know, kind of cool in a way. It's a bit of a segue, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll have to check on that. I'm going to check on that tonight after we're done with the show. But my point is, Daniel Levy wants to keep this very strong wage structure because he claims – now, this might be a cover story, Nick. He claims that it creates disharmony in the dressing room if you're paying some guys a lot more than others. Right. Maybe it's because he's just cheap. Right, maybe. He's cheap. Uh, well, you know, by the way, uh, talking of going to live in, in, in obscurity, uh, AVB is now managing in Ligue 1. He is managing Marseille. Oh. So you see? He was doing something before that that was uh... – that was cool. He was racing or doing, you know, he went on like the Paris or Dakar race, something well, like that. Well, he's like Portuguese and kind of suave and cool, you know, and he's got a name like yeah. Andre Villas-Boas, you know, it's this sort of cool, you know, almost a Bond he villain the... name. Money Penny. Yeah, it, it is like, almost so it's, a it's Bond like villain it's name. Like, that... It's like Money Penny. Give me the file on got... Villas-Boas. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the look of a Bond villain also. He does. By yeah. the way, and speaking of Bond, um, Andre Villas-Boas's first coaching job was as manager of the British Virgin Islands, which is like the most Bond place ever. Yeah. Oh, isn't it just? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forget the name of the Bond villain that had his yacht there in, what was it, Goldfinger or... Uh, I'll remember it later. All right. Well, anyway, Doctor we're, No was it was now well. They, a lot of them were the Caribbean Thunder Thunderball. It was, Thunderball. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the was one with the boat that the bat came off it, and it became yeah. a, a, the hydrofoil. Yeah, and there was a really cheesy uh, boat thing at the end, the uh, boat chase at the end where he, he he gets the the bikini girl who's now a dead grandmother and and puts it up on the rocks. 
That was yeah, the one. Yeah, her name yeah. was Domino or something. Yeah, right? Domino. Yeah, well, those were great films. I don't know Typical how we go on. It's probably more fun to talk about James Bond than football because we're on an international break and, you know, football just gets boring on the international break. All right, well, let's get back to the Premier League. We have a few minutes left. Uh, um, let's see. Um, you know, funnily enough, Chelsea. you oh. know, no, let us off Chelsea for a minute. You know, uh, just two weeks ago, we were talking about uh, uh, Crystal Palace and how they were couldn't score a goal they were going to get relegated and then how funny it is now they're in the top four but you know when you've only played four games you get two wins that's what happens Uh, a a kind of a not too exciting home win against Aston Villa but let's talk about Leicester against Bournemouth I really want to talk about Leicester because um, Brendan Rodgers you know is uh, an interesting man he He is really developing right in front of your eyes as a manager. I think he's a good manager. I think he's a really good manager of younger players. I think that he uh, gets good results from them. Um, Despite some of it, there's a sort of desperately creepy side about him. But, you know, putting that aside for a minute, uh, I think he's the right man for the job at Leicester. If he can get, if they'll stick with him, and give him some tenure, I think he could do some really good things for this club. I could see Leicester City becoming the new Everton. Um, under David Moyes. I yeah. mean, you know, where it's like, you yeah. know, they finish really high up the table constantly year after year, but never really quite good enough to sort of win anything massive. Well, yeah, this is the point I've made about, uh, you know, there are people who uh, here in South Florida that scoffed at when they saw the list of potential managers for Inter-Miami. Uh, the new MLS team that's going to play in Lockhart and Fort Lauderdale, uh, the David Beckham team, they saw David Moyes on the list. And, ah, it, they, they're remembering Moyes from his Man United tenure. They're not forgetting the guy who had no budget. Talk about having no budget. Had no budget. Yeah. Would bring in guys on loan and would finish fifth in the Premier League every fifth or sixth um, because he got the most out of Cahill. He got the most out of Fellaini. He got the most out of uh, Luis Saha. He got the most out of Jagielka and Sylvain Distan and, and just this core. Uh, Leon Osmond was another classic and Stevie Pienaar. Um This Leicester team has that, that, that thing, right? That core that could stick together for a number of years. The thing that made Everton so good under Moyes was they had a system and they kept the same players year after year. Very few guys left. Very few guys came in. Now, eventually you go through so many cycles that guys leave and guys come uh, in. But for several years, they were essentially the same squad at Everton. And I think Rodgers, because uh, Leicester has a little more money than the other mid-table level teams, um, and committed ownership, even though the owner obviously died tragically in that helicopter crash yeah. leaving the stadium uh, last season after one of the matches. Uh, I think his son and company, they will keep it together. They will keep this team together. Maybe one guy like a Madison or a Barnes gets sold because they're just going to be worth so much. But I think the rest of those guys, Chowdhury, Madison, Barnes, um, they brought in Iose Perez, uh, Chilwell. They got a really good young core. I think they're going to stick, keep this team together. They're going to be really good. And well, Rodgers, by the way, before before I forget, Rodgers is one of the best developers of young talent. We saw it with Raheem Sterling. We saw it with Sturridge, and we saw it with a number of guys at the Chelsea Utes, in the Chelsea youth system. Saw it with Joe Allen also at Swansea. Really good manager for young players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely being considered uh, <clears throat> as one of the – uh, as one of the best British managers. All right. Uh, I guess we've got to go to break. I suppose we should do that, Kartik. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. And uh, I'll give you my favorite Bond villain of all, history soccer. 
All right, Kartik, uh, we're back with just a couple of minutes left. Um, we're going to have to talk about the rest of these matches tomorrow, and, and we'll get into some of the stories about the closing of the European transfer window, as well as the uh, big discussion about a Mr. Neymar who is not getting his uh, dream move back to Barcelona. Although, interestingly enough, apparently the people pushing for that move was Suarez and Messi. I don't know if you knew that, uh, Kartik, but that's... Yeah, I did, which was... Uh... Uh, part of the reason why apparently there was some uh, disharmony with uh, 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 with Griezmann, who uh, uh, felt like maybe he was being undermined at his new club by the biggest stars, uh, which led to that kind of bizarre goal celebration he had uh, yeah. two weeks ago uh, with the glitter and all that nonsense wow. that uh, got a lot of headlines. It was apparently, you know, a statement about, you know, look at me, not, you don't need Neymar. So... So Griezmann is such a great name, Kartik, that I mean, he could be a Bond villain, right? Well, he absolutely could be. But my favorite Bond villain, who's your favorite Bond villain? Just, you just got a couple seconds left. Well, my favorite Bond villain is Hugo Drax, just because I oh, like Drax. the guy who, the actor who played him, yeah. because uh, he was uh, the the inspector in, in Day of the Jackal, one of my favorite movies about the great film. Yeah, great film. Nicole. Yeah, yeah, great movie. Well, I think my, I think mine has to be Blofeld, of course, uh, uh, only because yeah, well, yeah, in, that was he, my other choice. he's in so many of them, and some of the great actors that played him uh, was what Donald Donald Pleasance, obviously Te- Telly Savalas, right? Christopher Christopher Waltz yep. most recently. Anyway, uh, I'd love to know who you your like favorite... the double Blofeld from uh, from uh, the movie in Vegas. Well, I've, uh, Diamonds yeah. are forever. Diamonds are forever. Blofelds. Right. By the way, love to hear from our listeners. Who's your favorite Bond villain? Find us on Twitter. At Fifth Street Soccer, uh, pardon me, at Fifth Street Sports. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can, of course, find us here Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, uh, on uh, right here on this very network. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, have a great night. Cheers. Enjoy the Bond reruns. Sorry, Scott played kind of low. Cheers. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.